Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Hello and welcome to another edition of the My First Gig Podcast. My name is Dwayne Dugan. I am your host. Yes, that Dwayne Dugan, the world famous podcaster, the very funny boy back again with season two, episode seven. And my guest today is the fantastic Carmen Lynch, based out of New York City, wonderful comedian. I became aware of Carmen a couple of years ago. I just kept seeing the same profile picture pop up and over and over again on Twitter, getting the retweets, getting the like. I'm going to give this a follow and really enjoyed everything that I've seen since. Appearances on Letterman, on Conan, on Fallon, on, I don't know all the late show host but she's probably been on their show performing stand-up comedy and you should go check it out now so when i was doing these new episodes i was delighted when carmen said that she would be on today is may 6th so this was going to be my last free wednesday after episode 10 i was going to return next week so eight weeks of a gap i was going to return with season two and here we are we're almost done season two today i was meant to land in sunny lanzarote and have a few beers with my mate for a couple of days of relaxation. He's my oldest friend. And we'd never been on like a holiday like this before. We'd gone away for like a night somewhere to go see a concert every now and again. But we thought, oh look, we're 20 years friends. Let's go away. And instead I'm sitting in the dreariest wet and dreary Cork here in Ireland. And I saw online somebody showed a like rain report for Ireland. And when I say a tiny bit of the south of the country... That didn't even take up all of Cork, but took up the entire island cove that I'm on, lashing rain, and the rest of the country are out in their back gardens getting the tan. Like, of today of all days, when I'm meant to be sitting on the beach, drinking one euro fifty pints, tropical, doing absolutely nothing. But instead, I'm at home. Here we are doing this. I've set myself this 100 days of walking chance that I mentioned before. So I'm walking around in the pissing rain. And it's weird. I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we're allowed to go back to normal. Like it's almost two months since I've performed a show. A couple of weeks now since I've seen my girlfriend. Oh God. When's the last time I went for a pint? I miss it dearly. But wherever you are, hope you're keeping safe. And we don't know when the end is, but today we're a day closer. As I said, my guest is Carmen Lynch. If you don't follow her already, go follow her at Carmen Comedian. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of them. Go do it. Go check her out on YouTube. She's got an album up on Spotify and her podcast, The Human Center Pod. Great title for a podcast. Is available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I feel very tired today. I got the name of the podcast wrong at the top. And it wasn't even as in like, I didn't say like the my first Greg podcast. My first Greg, that's a podcast. Can you remember your first Greg? When were you introduced to Greg's? 
when I say Greg, what comes to mind for you? I Like I said, an, an entirely different podcast that I've absolutely no involvement with other than being a listener. So, anyway, I was introducing Carmen Lynch. Here we are, guys. I'm going to go away and have a nap. You sit here, chill out, put your feet up, and enjoy my first gig with Carmen Lynch. It's weird to be... Um you know, not moving around because, you know, as a comic, we do the road so much. So it's, it's quite an adjustment to see my boyfriend every day. <laughs> um, it's a real test of a relationship now, isn't it? It is. It is. You have to like, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for him. You know, we're just uh, with each other all the time. I mean, that was partially a joke, but uh, it's going great. But um, I'm with his family. Actually, I left New York city to quarantine in Connecticut, which is about an hour away from where we live in New York. And uh, so it's mostly a lot of trees. And uh, so that's nice, you know. There is a bit of a, a niceness to it being a bit quiet, but going a bit stir crazy as well. How, how are you finding not performing for so long? Oh, God, it's it's weird. I do miss a uh, live audience. You know, these Zoom shows are uh, are strange. Oh, so you're doing the Zoom shows. You've done a few of them. I've done a few of those. And it kind of feels like when you bomb, you know, <laughs> it doesn't. there's no back and forth with the audience. You know, you can see their faces on the computer, but uh, and, and they some of them laugh quietly in their homes. Uh, but it's it's an adjustment. You know, yeah. What are you doing to try and keep and keep yourself from going mad? Any new uh, up skills while you're while you got some time? Well, well, there's seven of us oh, wow. here in the house, so we have chores. It's like a commune, you know. <laughs> we have, in fact, it's my it's my cooking night tonight. Oh, very nice. But the good news is that we're paired. We have a partner, so my boyfriend and I cook together. So there's no pressure on like really sucking because you can blame it on the other person. And what's on the menu for tonight, do you reckon? Tonight we are having salmon because we found some frozen fillets in the freezer. There you go. So so we're going to have some salmon and uh, and potatoes. Well, we're here to chat about your, your first ever gig. Before we do that, I want to ask to kick it right back from the start. If I'd ask you what your first memory of comedy is, what comes to mind for you? Um, it always... Uh, it's always I Love Lucy reruns. When I was sick growing up, like if I had a cold or I couldn't go to school, you know, my mom would bring in this tiny little TV that she had in the kitchen and she'd bring it into my room and I would watch like I Love Lucy reruns in the morning and, um, you know, all those black and white, they'd rerun all these like old timey American TV shows like I Dream of Jeannie and but I love Lucy was the one that stuck out the most. And uh, I just, well, I loved her. They would just rerun like Leave it to Beaver. It's like all these really old black and white TV comedies. And they would do them in the morning from like 9 to 11. And I would just sit there. But that, that's the one that I always remember the most. And if I said then about stand-up comedy, when do you remember kind of being introduced to stand-up comedy? I actually ran into it. I, I was, I fell into it by accident. I wasn't really, I never followed stand up. Like I knew I grew up in Virginia and I only knew stand up through, like I knew Seinfeld was a stand up and I knew Ray Romano was a stand up, but I only knew that because they had TV shows. Hmm. 
And then when I moved to New York City, I moved up there to pursue acting. Um, but then one of my friends was like, let's go see a comedy show. And even then I didn't know what that was because I never followed stand-up. Like I only ever watched like SNL and that's it. Um, and we went to a stand-up show and it's so weird because I got really jealous of these comedians. I was like, that's not fair that they're just so funny. Just naturally. <laughs> like I didn't even know they wrote jokes. I thought they were just like, oh, I, I have to go do a show and be myself. And I'm like, that's not fair that they can have such a great personality and just go up there and then just go home. I love the innocence of that. Yeah, that's so naive, but it's just it wasn't in my world. Um, and because I was pursuing acting and I was getting frustrated when someone told me that, no, that it's a job and that you have to work on it and write. And I already wrote like, you know, stories and my journal and all that. So when someone said that, I, I took a class because I really didn't understand it. So they had these little free flyers on the streets of New York. I forget what they were called. The Learning Annex, that's what it was called. They had these little flyers and they were um, you know, next to newspapers. You could buy a newspaper, but they had these free ones called The Learning Annex. And they had all these classes in New York City that you could take. And um, and I found one in that little book for stand-up comedy. And it said, you can take a class for three days. And the third day, you we will perform in a comedy club. So I signed up, but I was like, I don't think I want to perform because I really don't understand this, you know, how this works. So I went up to the teacher and I said, I really wanted to take your class, but could I just skip the performance part? Because I just don't understand this. And I, I, it just, it's overwhelming. I don't need, I can't even imagine going up and just telling jokes. And he said, he said, you know, just take the class, but you'll want to perform. And I'm like, no, I absolutely won't. But I just want to have a guarantee that you won't make me do it. And he's like, just take the class. So I took the class. And on the third day, he we went to Stand Up New York. And I remember it was a Sunday at like 5 or 6 p.m., you know, way before all the like real show started. So it was this empty room. And people invited, people in the class invited their friends. I didn't invite anyone because I was like, I'm not going to perform. And if for any reason I did, this is the last place I'd want someone to see me do anything. Yeah. So um, there were probably like 12 or 15, maybe like 20 people in the room. And, uh, and I just started watching my classmates go on stage and then there was this like desire to try it because I felt like I was in a safe space. But at the same time, I was like, no, I should just probably not do it. And then I felt this tap on my shoulder and it was the teacher. And he's like, you're next. And I'd written down like two little ideas on this tiny piece of paper. And he gave us each five minutes. Yeah. I only wrote down these two little ideas. And when he said you're next, I didn't stop him. I didn't say no. I just went with it. And I went on stage and I talked about these two things. I remember that one of the things he said in class was talk about yourself. Like, you know, if you don't know what to talk about, you know, tell him whatever. Like, and I'm, I'm very tall. I'm six feet tall. So that was like my go-to. 
So I talked about, I did this joke about being tall. And I remember the first joke I ever did, which was that room, that show got a big laugh. And then as soon as I felt that, I was like, oh my God, I think this might be what I want to do. It was so weird because I'd never, I'd never had any kind of, um, clicking with like, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, I wanted to be a doctor for a while, but even that it felt kind of a pressure job. Like, oh, this will my, will make my parents happy or, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. But that moment when I, when I stood up there, it's, it's, I don't know if anyone would understand except for artists or whatever, maybe anyone feels this way, but it was almost like I, I like met the love of my life. It's not so <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, this is what I meant to do. And I, and I'd had so many interviews and like marketing and advertising and all these different jobs, you know, and thank God I didn't get any of them, you know, or I, I would have been in a different career and I had day jobs, but they all sucked, you know? So th this was like this moment where I was like, oh, this is why nothing worked is because I was supposed to do this. So, so I did that joke. It got a big laugh. And um, then I did my second joke and I got a laugh. And then I honestly had nothing else to say. So the five minutes that the teacher gave me, I must have been up there for about two or a little over two minutes. And then I was like, that's it. But that's all that I needed, I think. I didn't even want to try anything else. It was just, I was still so scared. And I was scared for years. Like I, I would have panic attacks. I'd be nervous. But it, there was something in me that was like, nope, this is the right thing. I just need to get through this um, fear. And then eventually, you know, as you know, you just get more comfortable on stage. Well, let's go back a bit there. So you said you went up to New York to study acting or yeah. to, to, to pursue acting. Were you, were you going to like college or anything or was it just to try? No, and... I, this was after college. I went to, um, I took a bunch of classes. Like there was a school on Bank Street and it was Uta Hagen's school so I would just work um, during the day. I tempt a lot. So I would just temp and then go to classes. And I love acting and I still do. But, you know, acting is a very kind of teamwork kind of thing. You have to be accepted. You have to audition. You have to send your resume. You have to, first of all, look. We had these um, newspapers called like, what was it called? Back Backstage. And you would, you know, get these newspapers. <laughs> it sounds like it's such an... <laughs> you know, it's just so long ago, but it was, um, you had these newspapers called backstage and every Thursday they would come out and, uh, you had to read through what they were looking for and then get your headshot and your resume and staple your headshot to your resume. And then you had to mail that to that person. And it just took so long. And, you know, I would get responses, but they were either shitty jobs or I would get an audition and then not get the part. So it was just, you know, as everything, it's very time consuming. Hmm. And then suddenly I'm, you know, pulled into this stand-up world and I'm watching these comedians on stage and I'm going, they don't have to do any of that. They just have to get to the room, you know, <laughs> and do whatever the hell they want and leave. And that was so appealing to me. So where did acting come from? Had you, had you done it growing up, the want to perform? Was that something that you, you were looking after for a while? I love, well, I loved performing, but I was, I was very shy. So I just performed like in my house, in my living room. When I was a kid, I, you know, I would try to put these shows on for my family, but nothing, 
in high school, I auditioned for plays and I got some parts, but you know, nothing huge, but I loved the idea of like acting. Yeah. And, uh, and then I didn't do it in college. I just, you know, kind of forgot about it. And then after college, I started taking acting classes in Virginia um, before I moved to New York. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then I, I got so sick of living, you know, in the suburbs and at home that um, I said, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go to New York City and pursue acting. And I had friends up there. So I'm like, this is perfect. I'll stay with my friends. I'll get a day job and I'll take acting classes. But I never thought, you know, I thought it was just the next step. I didn't know it was going to lead me. Like if, if you told me that like 20 years later, I'd still be in New York. It, that's crazy. Cause all my friends who I knew in New York, they're all gone. <laughs> you know, like I thought it was just kind of a fun next step, but um, they're all gone. They're all like married with kids and stuff. Um, and then, you know, maybe about a year or so after, um, doing acting, I discovered stand-up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, so when you went to that show, your friend decided, let's hear, why don't we check out a comedy show? And you say that you're looking in these papers, finding classes. So obviously something piqued your interest that night. Like, did, Was it a case of you saw that the show that night and then wanted to know more? Or did you start going to more shows? Like, What was the next step after seeing that first show? I think it took me about a year or more to actually take that class. Okay. But I just, um, because I always wrote, like I always, growing up, I had diaries, I had journals, and I was so frustrated with acting because I remember there, there had been several times where I would just audition for something. And because I'm so tall, you know, I could tell that was an issue because the guys that I was, auditioning with were short and I'm like they're never going to cast unless it's like a comedy about a woman being tall 
it's not going to happen, you know? So there were a lot of things like that. So I was writing a lot of, um, just silly sketches and for my own creativity, just writing stuff in my notebook. And then when I discovered stand up, I was like, Oh my God, this is where I could talk about this stuff and, you know, put this somewhere. So yeah, I'm guessing if you're writing sketches, it's it's comedy based. I'm sure. Yeah, like the, the, these frustrations that I have with you know being tall or whatever's happening to me in New York. This is the perfect place. And you know, with acting, there's pressure. You have to look perfect and wear makeup and whatever. And then I see these people on stage, and I'm like, they're practically wearing sweatpants, and <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. And that was so liberating. That that just seemed so cool to me. Yeah, so I'd say maybe like a year, year and a half later. Is that a year and a year and a half that you find out about the course or, or the classes? or you- Yeah, after, no, after seeing that stand-up show, I'd say it took me about a year, year and a half later to take that learning annex class. Okay, so then you, you find this out, you, you go down, you say you don't want to perform. Can you do the class, but not the performance? What was it, three days, like three days in a row? Like, what, what are we talking, like full-on days? I think it was once no, I think it was once a week and we would just get up in front of the class in the in during the class. We would get up in front of the class and tell jokes. So that felt safe because, you know, there were probably eight of us or something. But the thought of going on stage and bombing in front of strangers and accepting that and that was scarier to me. So so it took me a while to um, to get used to that. Can't really teach um, much in three days. Uh, you know, because the class was probably like two hours each class. And when I started, when I actually started doing open mics, which was later, because even after that class, I was scared. Um, so I took another class. <laughs> but I, to me, that that first class almost felt like an intro class. Yeah. And the next class I took um i may i mainly took because um i'm like there's no way i'm going to an open mic by myself this is horrific and scary so if i take a real class i'll meet people and we can go together so that was my goal to like make friends in the class so i took a real class through a comedy club and it was through caroline's comedy club it was eight weeks it was three hours every class I think there were probably like 15 people in the class. So there was more of like an intensive um, class. And I remember when I first started going to open mics, you know, a lot of the comics I met were like, classes are bullshit. You know, they don't teach you anything, but I don't think they're supposed to really teach you. I think it's just kind of a security blanket that some people need. And I needed that to start. So, you know, I made friends with a lot and some, there's one guy in there that um, I'm still friends with you know, and, uh, sometimes you need other people to do, to do stuff that, that feels very scary. Well, that's it. Yeah. When it's, when it's a brand new thing, you know, you know, having this kind of community of classmates and, you know, there's a show there at the end and you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a helping hand in those early days rather than just, I guess, blindly walking into something. I often ask how you prepare and how the nerves are and stuff like that before the first ever time getting up on stage, but I guess that first time your teacher, you didn't really know, you know, you'd, you'd said that you weren't really interested in doing the show at the end and you get that tap on the shoulder and you don't have too much time to prepare like your next. Do you remember that moment now noticing right when, when this person gets off the stage, I have to go on up after them. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think it's always scarier to 
imagine it than it is actually doing it. Because I remember writing these ideas down on this tiny little piece of paper. And if I, I obviously wrote that because I had an interest in performing. I was just too scared to admit it to myself. You know, it's not like I, I, I brought that to the class, to the performance for a reason, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a safety net again, as you say. It's a safety net. Yeah. And, and the, oh, and the other thing that I really liked about standup is that I loved acting so much. And when I discovered that Jerry Seinfeld and Ray Romano and Roseanne Barr, who all had TV shows and were comedian, standup comedians, I thought, oh, maybe I could just try standup and that will, um, eventually lead me to getting a sitcom. Like it was, you know, when you don't know anything, you just imagine it's not that it's so easy, but in a way it is kind of like, oh, this is how you do it. You just have to do stand up first and then people will consider you to, for a TV show, you know? So, and obviously it doesn't work that way or we would all have TV shows, <laughs> but it was, it was attractive to me that they were stand ups who eventually got a TV show. So, so I was like, all right, well, I have the acting part. I know what I'm doing. I'm taking classes. Now I just need to learn how to do stand-up so someone can discover me. The, the only difference is that I didn't know I was going to love stand-up that much. Because once I started, I was like, not like fuck acting, but kind of. I was like, screw that. There's too much work in that. I'm just going to write in every cafe I can find and just do this myself. You know? As you said earlier, like there's a lot of, work and time and effort that goes into whether it's you know stapling your headshots sending them out going for auditions doing this and this and this and this and even at the end of it you might not get the chance to perform at the end of it exactly whereas here right now here's your stage go up there go do it you mentioned your your first joke about being tall do you remember what that first joke was yeah actually it was the joke that um that i did on my first late night tv show so i did letterman um when was that? In like 2012. And my opening joke is, um, I don't think I'm going to live a long life because I've never seen any really tall old ladies. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the joke that I, that was one of like my first real joke. And that made it all the way to TV. That's fantastic. I used to, um, I used to go up for a really long time when I first started and just go, so... I'm tall. And that would get a laugh a lot just because it's not even a joke. It's just, I'm just stating something ridiculous that kind of has no point. Yeah. Um, and that, it took me a long time to, to stop saying that, to like try something new. But my first real, real joke, I think was the one I just said. Yeah. And so you do those, you said you probably what two and a half minutes or so out of that five, you do the jokes that you've written down. I'm guessing they go well. Yeah, but the other ones were horrible. Like they, I never did them again. Like they got laughs, I think probably for the wrong reasons. Um, I remember, you know, trying other ones that got giggles. And then uh, one of them um, was about the Wizard of Oz that I, I couldn't even tell you. It would be too embarrassing. But it was, it was, <laughs> it was again, about being tall and how like, you know, there were munchkins and, you know, I'm sure I said something stupid about them and, you know, just trying to find anything that would work. But well, whatever it was, you get to owe your whole career to the jokes now. That's where it all started. Uh, 
I mean, it is funny how something can be so long ago and it's still so vivid in my mind to just have this man tap me on the shoulder and just go, you're next. And just remember this tiny little piece of paper that I, you know, held so tightly because it, I was so afraid and for years was so afraid that I would forget what I had to say, you know. Did you get up on stage at all again until that, that Caroline's class? You know, that's a good question. I don't think so because I I created so many fears in my head that like open mics were scary places and they can be, you know, everyone there is already so good. And I'm the only one who doesn't know what she's doing. Like I just built up all these fears. So I, I think I was really motivated, but I think it started probably after I signed up for that next class. How did that second, the end of that second class was the show at Caroline's in itself? Yeah, I was at Caroline's much better now. I mean, and now it's eight weeks and we would go to open mics during the class, like in between those eight weeks. So far more invested, I guess. Yeah. So now I was like, okay, I got a taste of this. Now I can really get myself out there. And then I just went hardcore, like all the time. I went to every open mic, every shithole that I could even think of and just tried to get on stage. Well, well, speaking of those shows, any any horror stories you can remember that, I guess, looking back now, you can laugh about? I mean, a lot of them, you know, you just have to pay your dues. So, yeah, there were a couple. One of them was called Trainwreck, and it was so packed. And I can't even imagine doing that now. I mean, back then... You, you know, I would stay out late, wait for five minutes, maybe have to buy a drink and then get up early, go to my day job and do it again. And I'm like, how did I ever have all that energy <laughs> to do that every single night is insane to me. You say you remember that moment vividly of sitting there and getting the tap on the shoulder. If I could take you today and bring you back to that moment, just after you get tapped on the shoulder, you get to take yourself aside and give yourself a chat for a minute or two what do you think you'd say now looking back i mean it's it's everything that everyone tells you that you don't believe it's the have fun you know the um you audience only has fun if you have fun just don't stress it's not important like you know all that stuff is so true because even to this day if i have a very stressful day and i have a big show that night the best thing I can do for myself is be like mentally put myself in this very laid back, don't give a shit kind of mentality um, because the audience picks up on all that stress, you know? So just go ahead and get a clear head space and give it your all. Clear head space and have fun. And if you mess up, it's okay. And yeah, all that is so important, you know? And, and all those things like older comics would say, like the first 10 years don't count. You know, it's all so true. Well, I think, you know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. You, you have to play around for a long time. Even when, you, you know, after all these years, you should still play around. With the Connecticut birds singing in the background, I think that's some nice positive advice to leave it on. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting about your first gig today. Thank you. That was fun. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Carmen Lynch, everybody, at Carmen Comedian, online, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, The Lot, album on Spotify, podcast 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, The Lot, probably Pandora. I've been trying to put my podcast on Pandora, but they won't let me see what's on Pandora because I'm not in the States. So check it out. If somebody in the States is listening, check out Pandora, search the My First Gig Podcast, and let me know if it's on there. But do go check out the Human Center Pod or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're looking for that, type in My First Gig, head on over, leave a little review, say how much you liked it, and then go follow at My First Gig Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I was helping my girlfriend set up a podcast this week. Fiona's Book Club. Go check it out. Fiona'sBookClub.com or wherever you get your podcast. She's going to be chatting to guests about their favourite book. And it doesn't matter if you haven't read it, then you can head on over to the website and get a full synopsis of the characters and bullet points on all you need to know. The school exams dream. First episode just dropped this week, so go check it out. And give her an old follow at Fiona for all. But as we were putting up her podcast, I noticed that Apple Podcasts in particular took an age to say that the episode was out. The episode was there. If you were subscribed, you got the episode and a little notification saying new episode of Fiona's Book Club. But if you didn't, there didn't appear to be any episodes. So if you haven't, please go subscribe to the My First Gig podcast and therefore you will be able to get the episodes before Apple even wants to admit that they exist. What's your fear, Apple? You know, give it the times. Apple thinks the world is flat. Do you know what I mean? Just open your eyes and admit it, man. The world is round. And I've got episodes every single Wednesday right here on myfirstgigpod.com. I've been Dwayne Dugan. Follow me at Dwayne Dugan, your favourite world-famous podcaster and very funny boy. Until next week, guys, I hope you have a fun time. And why not dance the dances of a thousand men in the meantime? Goodbye. It's the My First Gig Podcast one.